I have to be delusional enough to think people are going to listen to this. It's thunderstorming outside. There's lightning. Hit me with it. Come on. How smart can you be when you have huge mantids? Okay, he, him. Go put your pronouns and go sit in the corner. I'll take care of this. It's just common sense. Well, hello there, Mr. German, who sounds not super German, it turns out. How are you doing tonight? Herr Kommoner, ich grüße Sie. Schönen herzlichen Abend. Fake news. Fake news. Um, so for those who somehow may not know who you are, you want to just give a brief introduction about the Bowtie German? Sure. Um, yeah, don't be fooled by the lack of accent. I'm, I'm definitely German. Um, it mainly boiled down to the fact that when I created the account, I cycled through about seven different animals <laughs> and all of them were taken. So I was just like, okay, what, like what else is available? Like what's, I also, you know, I didn't want to do like an underscore. I didn't want to do like a dash or any sort of, you know, like qualifier on the handle. I mean, like pickle says you have to have bow tied this and that's it. Mm -hmm. uh, definitely not throwing shade at gator there. Um, <laughs> but then I was, just, I just randomly typed in uh bow tie German and it was available. So I, I went with it. And from there on, I just kind of built out. Um, I didn't really start art as a fashion account i was one of those that just kind of made the account because i knew wall street playboys i saw that they were doing um like the bowtie bull thing and i was like mm, this is interesting i'd like to be a part of it um and i saw a lot of upside in the community so i had to create the account but i had no idea where i was going to value add and first i actually for like a week or two um and some people might remember this from when i had like no followers I, I was doing like creative writing and I tweeted like a little bit about creative writing because I actually do have a bit of a past in that. Um, cause I ran a blog back between like, like 2013 to 2015, 16 until I like rug pulled that. But, um, that, I mean, I, I wasn't really able to generate a lot of content with that without really doxing, I mm -hmm. guess, uh, or showing a lot of my history in that space. So I kind of, I looked around and I think one night I was on a space um, and this was still, I only had like 70, 80 followers and uh, we were somehow the topic of fashion came up and I'm like, uh, well, is there a, a jungle fashion account? I mean, I'd love to, you know, talk with them and, you know, just, just see who they are and uh, what their opinion on this one topic is. And they were like, uh, there's no jungle fashion account. I'm like, oh, well, fashion is something I carry a pretty strong interest in. So I'll just be that guy. So that's, uh, that's how the account was born. Yeah, and you got quite a following for your fashion account. So, I mean. Yeah, regardless of how many followers I have, like when I broke a thousand, I was like, holy shit, like a thousand followers on Twitter. That's awesome. I'm in, I'm in the top, like, what is it? Five, 5%, 10%. 10%. And now I just crested 5K and I'm just like, hey, I'm still small. But it's funny how the bigger you get, the smaller you actually seem to be. Oh, that's a good point. I actually agree with that too. When I got a thousand, I was just flabbergasted too but now it's just every follower is easier and it doesn't really make as big of a difference um i find it interesting that the fashion account is doing very well in a very you know middle-aged male demographic it's just kind of fascinating to me because i always associated fashion with women younger women so I do you think that's pointing to a general trend that men are caring more about the clothes that they wear or do you think that the men in the jungle really need help with their with their clothes um yes and no i think that uh there's plenty of 
smart people in the jungle. I think the average IQ is, is, is higher than just regular, regular society or, you know, God help you Twitter itself. Um, but fashion is something that, I mean, from scraping the various sources on the internet, like Reddit, 4chan, I mean, yes, 4chan is actually a legitimate fashion outlet to some people. Uh, certain fashion blogs uh, specifically geared toward males, like, uh, I don't know, uh, GQ, your, your legacy mm. stuff. It's, it just doesn't seem right. Like something about the stuff they hawk, it just seems like it's all just affiliate sponsored like okay who's the flavor of the week that you know threw us a bone we're gonna uh we're gonna throw them some business um and that's on the legacy side on like the more um like in like for example on reddit uh you go through there and it's all the recommendations are just trash and you, you the biggest thing that i noticed going through there all the time and i've been in, i've been in male fashion advice for over 10 years now I actually started on Reddit back in 2010, uh, mm-hmm. so I'm a dorky old head. Um, mm-hmm. But like, I've I've always gone on there and been like, something something's just not right. Like some of these guys, you know, they know their stuff uh, to some degree, but a lot of them are out of shape. They seem like their their motivations are wrong. Uh, they're like, they're they're motivated more by trying to look like a like a tenured professor at Brown instead of someone in their 20s and 30s who. <sighs> I don't know, is a banker, is in finances and sales, uh, runs a business, is just, you know, your, your regular guy who's, an, who's a hustler. Um, and I, I took that to heart when I really started building the account more. I was like, huh, I remember I had this theory. Um, and that's something I feel like I should really try and get out to the masses because I don't really see anybody talking about it. And the more I talked about that, the more people, you know, were DMing me and saying, you know, like, yeah, dude, that's, that's 100% true. I, whenever I read these sites, I'm like, I don't want to wear that. So I just wear what I've always worn. And I'm just like, yeah, I mean, the, the new, um, especially all the, all the e-com stores that have popped up over the last four or five years, like the ones that I, uh, the ones that I promote the most, like cuts, chubby's built etc they have a lot of great stuff that actually fits the bill for what guys in their 20s 30s even 40s and 50s should really be wearing um and that is it's a really strong contrast to what gets uh to what gets hawked on male fashion advice etc even to this day uh so it's an interesting schism that i feel like i'm i'm capitalizing on pretty well and it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's a fun time and I'm glad that I'm helping so many people and yeah, I, I can't wait to see what the future holds on that. Yeah. I think it's definitely because men don't know how to dress, to be honest. Like, I think it's not to sound, <laughs> that sounds like such a jerk thing to say, but I do think that men on Twitter probably are struggling perhaps. And you're definitely giving them some much needed advice. I think um, that men, they don't operate under that same degree of pressure that women do throughout the younger years so like even starting in elementary school because i have a younger sister and i I, like many guys in you know early teens teenage years i wore primarily you know stuff from god for a hot topic um band t-shirts um and then maybe when i got to 15 16 i started bothering my mom to buy me American Eagle and Aeropostale. I mean, that might, that might put my age out there pretty easily, but <laughs> yeah, that was, that was pretty much it. And that's also what everyone else was wearing. But like, as long as you were wearing something that was not completely ostentatious and fit like shit, 
no one no one bothered you um and obviously you know within fashion parameters if you were wearing jinkos in in 2011 2012 you know you might get called out but you know a, a jeans a t-shirt and sneakers was no one's gonna say anything whereas on the on the girl front um i'm mentioning my sister i mean as young as fourth fifth sixth grade she was she was just anxiety ridden over mm. what her what her girlfriends would think what the uh just what people would think when she went out in public you know wearing this wearing that um it, she there was definitely a a much more pervasive um just air of anxiety of i need to wear this i need to have this um and i need to be like on top of trends otherwise i'm literally going to die and since girls grew up with that i feel like that never really goes away and yeah, it might die out a little bit, but but women just on average are a lot more fashion conscious than men because mm. they didn't really have that growing up. Yeah, that makes a total sense. And also, like, I was just in college and boys would wear sweatshirts and sweatpants to class. And the first day of school, even in college, every girl was planning their outfit. And it's really interesting how right now the cool thing to do is to dress as though you don't care so you wear the baggy sweatshirt or you wear sneakers and leggings or something so it's supposed to look like you're not putting a ton of effort in but that was a carefully concocted measured outfit that every girl is wearing and they're all wearing the same one it is fascinating to be honest exactly and i think it's uh, more present now than it ever was before i, th I think tiktok and social media being ubiquitous has, has definitely driven that, but I, I I totally agree with what you say. Like, oh, it has to look like you don't care. Like the like girls wear baggier jeans and like sneakers and maybe like I don't know a, a crop t shirt or something. So it looks like they just rolled out of bed until the next twelve walk into the room and they're wearing the exact same thing <laughs> to the the same distress pattern. You know, the the the, the bra strap pointing out at the exact same point, the same sneakers. It's it, you know, it's, it's a business. It's a hustle on the people that are, that are selling them this. And I totally get it. Um, but I agree. It's, uh, that's definitely Zoomer culture right now. Yeah. So it's just fascinating. And I also think your perspective coming as a European is also really interesting because as a lowly American, I associate all Europeans with sophistication and elegance in just the higher level of je ne sais quoi, as as you say, um, but so the yeah. fact that it's a I, I, I have a lot to say advice. about that. I have a lot to say about that, but I'll, I mean, I'll keep it brief because I spend a lot of time on the timeline, like probably more time than I should, just railing on Europeans in general. Look, I I, I think a lot of Americans have a grass is greener approach when it comes to what they view Europe as, especially if they've never been to Europe, like that's the biggest indicator that someone has spent little to no time abroad when they, when they apply like maximum rose colored glasses uh, to, you know, all of Europe. It's, I, it's got a longer history, longer recorded history, obviously. There's a lot of historical art and culture that comes out of there. A good amount of it influenced American culture but at the same time, I mean, you have to you have to be dynamically adjusting and you can appreciate, you know, classical music from 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 Europe hundreds of years ago and, you know, plays 
movies, uh, any, any, anything that comes out of there from whatever period. But nowadays, <clears throat> you, you have to understand that Europeans aren't what they used to be. I mean, they, Europe is a continent that was just basically a bunch of uh, kingdoms constantly at war with each other for hundreds and hundreds, over a thousand years. Building, you know, eventually they landed in different regions and countries were formed and people stopped fighting so much. Um, but th the attitude of European superiority never really seems to have died. And the, it, they don't really have, they're not really putting up the numbers to support uh, their level of cockiness nowadays. I, I think Americans carry a lot more. Uh, a lot more energy, a lot more wit. Um, they're a lot more light on their feet and scrappy than than Europeans. Um, I mean, I think that comes from you know a history of Americans being more distrustful of government than than Europeans. Well, also can't blanket Europe because, for example, Germans would be a lot more trusting of government than the French, etc. Um, but if I if I had to keep it short, I would say Europeans don't really have a chip on their shoulder just because they inherently feel like they're better than Americans. And that's been the case for probably a few decades now. And in that time, uh, Americans, the, the scrappy ones with a chip on their shoulder have probably roared past them at this point. And I don't think that the zeitgeist has really let that sink in. I think that within the next few decades, it's going to become more clear that we're, we've just been outperforming them like crazy because it's just going to lag in the meantime. European superiority has a little bit of ways to go, but with everything going on right now, politically, socioeconomically, um, I, I think we'll see some interesting developments over the next uh, few decades and how that relates to fashion and culture. That'll probably be secondary. Um, but it's going to be born out of the more macro happenings that are going to come over the, uh, I guess, the 20s and 30s. So I just went to a global conference, and this was my first time flying out of the country, first time meeting people not American, to be honest, really. And of course, every time I ran into someone from Europe, I asked them what their opinion of Americans were, because I'm egocentric. And they would always immediately just start laughing. They'd be like, <laughs> and then they would say something well you're on the brink of collapse and you're about to have a civil war and you have so much gun violence and you all have too many guns <laughs> that was like the thesis of every conversation but i liked the germans the best i think um they had a really dry sense of humor i okay you don't have to answer this question but i have always wondered and this is completely off topic how do germans teach world war ii history um pretty accurately uh it's pr pretty much everything that's taught here is taught over there because they it's actually done to a fault i would say because it's kind of paradoxical i mean how how far removed from an atrocity like world war ii do you have to be before you just you stop feeling guilty for it mm -hmm. um and i know that's a bit of a controversial thing to say but the germans still push that guilt extremely hard and inject it into a lot of the rhetoric that surrounds um, that surrounds the teaching of it. Now, I, I don't think that's ubiquitous. I think, you know, the, the majority of history teachers over there, you know, just kind of stone-faced, give an objective, this happened, this happened, that happened. 
two bombs on Hiroshima and, you know, now anime is the number one cartoon style in the world. Mm. But I, I think the Germans could do better to, I, I think it would be best for them culturally if they, if they took a more objective approach to it and just laid it out flat and let people make their own decisions instead of still, I mean, not to veer completely into politics, but instead of letting what happened 80 years ago dictate uh, policy decisions today. Yep. That's my take. I just have always wondered what that was like. So I appreciate you giving me that insight. Um, the other thing that they told me is that everyone only wears black in Berlin. Is that true? Absolutely not. <laughs> um, a lot of people cross-dress in Berlin. A disproportionate amount of people, actually. Wait, what? Um, uh, Berlin is like... It's probably one of the most liberal cities in all of Europe. Um, it's very, and don't get me wrong, it's a beautiful city. It's very enriched with um, culture, a lot of history there. Um, obviously, the nation's capital, just a lot of people, uh, actually a lot of Americans. Um, interesting, there's actually entire neighborhoods of just Americans there. Hmm. So it's it, it's multicultural in both the good and the bad ways. Um no, not everyone there wears black. People there are actually very much uh, more into fringe fashion and probably like stuff pretty counter to what I would recommend you wear. <laughs> <laughs> but then again, no one there even, I don't think there's a gym in the city of Berlin. No one there even lifts. So, you know, they uh, they have to make up for it somehow. That was the other thing. I told them that I would work out every morning before going to work. And we all work at the same company just all over the world. And they were aghast at that. Like they would they just roll out of bed and they walk to work and they walk home at like 10 p.m. And they never exercise. I don't know. It was just fascinating to hear all about the different things. It's but, tough. Um, it's tough for me to reconcile that, too, with the German handle, because when, whenever I'm in Germany, uh, whether personally or professionally, it's the the lifting culture of america is definitely not there um it is a little bit more so in like eastern europe but like on average i i would say you know america is one or two standard deviations to the right as far as how much we work out um if you think of like the archetypal middle-aged german guy you think glasses mm. bald um usually a beard and then like a like skinny arms mm -hmm. like the, like these like these no biceps no triceps like forearm and upper arm are the exact same girth <laughs> and just a big old pot belly from god knows what sausage uh bread butter beer like every single day and are do 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 they dress well sure they they have their clean pressed white oxfords and uh black slacks and i i'm not really sure what type of shoes they wear it's definitely not alan edmonds so it's not fully approved by me <laughs> um but you know they do an all right job of covering it up and i mean to segue a little bit into another one of my primary theories it th there's a fashion in certain parts of the world is just about like I, or not in certain parts i would say just subcultures it's about it's not about accentuating your beautiful body it's about just maybe not covering what's there, but distracting from it. Um, I think that the the most aesthetic that you can possibly be is 
being jacked or, you know, you don't have to be ox level jacked, but just muscular in shape, fit, cut, lean, whatever you consider yourself, just fit. And then using the clothes that you buy to accentuate the body that's already there. Um, I mean, I, I, I've tweeted this out all the time. I mean, you can't paint a masterpiece without a canvas to paint it on. Um, otherwise, you're just kind of using clothes to distract distract people from your otherwise disgusting body. Mm. And I I know that's kind of a rough take for some people. And you know, some people might come in and say, "Oh, I don't have time to work out. I can't do this. I have a condition." Blah blah blah. And, and that's fine. I'm not trying to harp on anyone for, you know, if they have any serious problems or I'm, I'm not calling you ugly just because you can't do this and just bucketing everyone into a single point. But just lo- looking at that for years made me realize that I have a much different motivation than all of these other countrymen of mine when it comes to dressing. I, I want people to see the fact that I put a lot of effort into making myself look good. I want people to see my biceps and my, my quads and, you know, to a certain degree, my pecs and, you know, whatever else, I don't want to cover anything up. Um, so that's, that's kind of where that thesis was born from too. Mm. So what to wear? Let's start with just the basics. You have a guy listening to this and he wants to refresh his wardrobe. What are the staples you would recommend that he make sure is in his closet? Well, um, a lot of it boils down to like, so when I, when I have someone I'm consulting, I'll, one of the first questions I ask is, okay, where do you live? Because I've found that that actually plays a massive role. If you live in a colder climate, say you live in New York, uh, Boston, Chicago, then you're going to need a completely different getup than if you live in Florida or Arizona, or let's, let's not say completely us centric. You know, if you, if you live in the South of Italy, you're going to need something different than if you live in, you know, Sweden or whatnot. Um, So I start off with that, but, you know, let's say someone is from, you know, the middle, the middle of America, they live in, I don't know, Tennessee, Carolina, California, and, you know, they like to, they, they like the idea of having the ability to, to dress a little bit in the sense of layering uh, if the weather, you know, dips that low, but otherwise, you know, they just want the, the premier um, classic looks. Um, you need, the most important pieces I would always start with is the pants. And it's, it's interesting because I focus a lot on shoes and a lot on t-shirts and I don't really throw that much attention toward pants. Um, and the, the reason is because you only really need, if you're really starting from scratch, you only really need two or three pairs. It's because those kind of form, um, like the rest of your wardrobe, just depending on the fabric of your pants. So if you're wearing jeans, well, okay. So you're wearing jeans today. You're probably going to wear, you know, white t-shirt, gray t-shirt, or earth color t-shirt of any kind. And then uh, from there, well, you have the option of maybe white sneakers or boots. Whereas on the other hand, say you put on some chinos or some, I guess, khakis. Um, but I, I think in 2023, we're pretty much just wearing stretch chinos. Shout out Lululemon ABC commission pants. I was going to say. 
Yeah. Then, um, you know, you might uh, be dressing it up a little bit. You might throw on a quarter zip. You might throw on some um, athletic dress shoe crossovers uh, or maybe really get spiffy and add, add some all birds if you're if you're that. Um, so I always start with the pants. You want you need a pair of stretch chinos and you need a pair of good solid jeans. And I always say Levi's 511s, 512s and 501s are the pool of those three is going to fit any sort of leg type. If you have ox tier, you know, 45 inch uh, quads, or you have absolute chicken legs, you're going to find something that is going to fit you well in that bucket. So you start with the pants and then I say, okay, uh, let's go to t-shirts. Literally just go to cutsclothing.com and purchase um around 15 to 20 of every single color available and uh there there's already your baseline you're already doing great (laughs) (laughs) um yeah so that's and you know i could go on and i I write out pretty detailed uh pretty detailed spreadsheets and and comments when i do these consults because everything goes in a very comprehensive excel because uh i'm in finance and uh, i am terminally indebted to excel for (laughs) everything i do professionally um but it really uh, the the importance of the of the primary two things the 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 base underlayer so the t-shirt and just the trousers so your pants choice are going to be you're you're just going to branch everything out from there. Okay, I have a question on the pants. How should the pants fit? Like, are they supposed to be baggy, straight, skinny? It's uh, there's not a good word for it. I think tailored or fitted is is probably the most accurate. And this is where a lot of people trip up too, because and it, and not of any fault of their own, because people have legs of all different shapes and sizes. Some people hit leg day way too hard. Some people don't <laughs> hit leg day at all. Some people just have naturally like like me. I have naturally slightly bigger thighs, um, and then I have absolute chicken calves. What you're looking for ideally is something that doesn't look painted on, on Mm -hmm. the thighs. So there should be, you know, it it shouldn't parachute out, but you know, there should be a few folds. Uh, There should be, you know, a little bit of give. You should not, you shouldn't feel like you're, you know, wearing Ricky or what's his name? Nikki Six's leather pants from the eighties on stage. Like you need to be comfortable to a certain degree. And then the, the biggest thing is the taper. Now, a lot of a lot of companies have been getting this right in the last few years, and this is why I shill Lululemon so hard because they're basically the kings of it. the The taper down to basically the exact same fit along your um, along your calves is is going to be the most money fit. Now, a lot of cheaper pants tend to have like a straighter fit throughout. Like you might, a, a lot of guys suffer from getting it a bit too tight in the thigh, mm-hmm. and then finding something that does not have enough of a taper down through the calf. And this is, uh, this is, this is something that the 501 does that I don't like. Um, But this is also, you know, for someone that has a, has more of a Delta in the thickness of their thigh versus their calf, they're going to become, they're going to be a lot happier with something like a 512 that has that taper. And the 511 is kind of in the middle of those two. So the optimal fit that you're looking for is just, the same level of tailoring throughout the entire leg with not too much of a difference between how it's laying on 
any part of your leg. That was a very helpful explanation. And the reason why I ask is because my brother was trying to refresh his closet and he wanted to use or to wear boots for the first time and like not Tim's, but I don't even know how to describe them. Like lace up kind of boots. They're cute. I liked them, but he couldn't find jeans that fit. And any jeans he wore, they looked too skinny and it just looked ridiculous. So do you need like a straighter jean with those kind of boots? So, well, there are, uh, there is a fit called a boot cut. Um, well, yes. That's, <laughs> that's <laughs> we, designed we tried for those. something just like that. <laughs> no, I actually, I, I actually have that problem right now. I don't currently own any boot cut jeans, funnily enough. And just recently it was, um, it was raining and I had to break out my L.L. Bean duckies and I was wearing, I think it was some 512s and I put them on and then I put on my, my duck boots and I, I, I agree. I looked like a popsicle stick and I was like, <laughs> Oh God, I'm about to go out in public like this. Um, but no, if you're, it, it really depends on the boot and boots can be tough. Like Timberlands, I don't even wear anymore simply because I don't own boot cut jeans, but also just because I don't really think they're fashionably sound right now. Um, the only instance that I would actually wear Timberlands is if I was like absolutely in like a mean mugging gym day mood. And I would wear like some baggy sweatpants with them, rock them unlaced, put on a nice black hoodie and go and do like squats until my legs literally gave out. That's probably the one circumstance that I would wear Tim's. So, but in terms of boots, you need boot cut. I don't know. I guess you just got to find a pair that works because I'm just picturing my brother trying all these jeans right now. It was so funny. Well, you don't necessarily need boot cut for all boots. So if if you're going for something more like a dress boot, which um, say like a Chelsea boot or like a um, like an Allen Emmons Dalton type, you're going to you're going to find success with with more of a tailored fit jean and it's actually going to look a lot better because it's a slim profile boot it doesn't have the chunkiness it's not you know it's not supposed to be a mill or a work boot with a steel toe designed for you know actually going to a Mm. job site no these are these are literally designed for the opposite of a job site they're designed for you to look like a hoity-toity motherfucker (laughs) who like who has just a bit of a fashion edge on everybody else in the room because for some reason nowadays i i still don't know why people don't wear dress boots but and and let me use this opportunity to say <clears throat> dress boots are one of the best investments that you can make, especially ones that aren't Chelsea's because I think Chelsea's are probably the most worn all around. But if you get yourself like a nice dress boot with a brogue, like the Dalton boot that I recommend so much, you will get so many compliments. Like the amount of compliments that I have gotten on my dress boot collection over the years is astronomical. And they're really the only shoe that gets me to that degree of them. Uh, um, so you will, if you're a young guy and you're trying to stand out, like, you know, you're hopping into the dating game, you're young, like say you're graduating from college, you're 22, 23, you're, you collect your first few paychecks. You're looking for little ways to stand out, you know, at the bar or wherever you're going to meet women, dude, get yourself some dress boots because my God, you will absolutely rock it up the table. On the shoe topic, what kind of shoes should a guy wear? I know I saw you mentioned Nike blazers. I love those. <laughs> I actually really like those. They're so they fall kind of more into the um, like basic white sneaker category. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, this is your standard issue. Um, rock them with some 
rocking with some tailored fit jeans or maybe some joggers type shoe. Um, but when it comes to like white sneakers though, I, something that's a lot more versatile, I I'm surprised that's the first time I've used that word in this conversation is, is a low top. Um, and I've had, I've had some great interactions with people on, uh, in the DMS who have, um, who have both, you know, been very grateful for my recommendations and also thrown me like other brands that I actually wasn't familiar with, like shout out to Gator for throwing common projects my way. Those are probably the most beautiful low top sneaker I've ever seen in my life. Um, but if you're looking for like a, again, I'm going to say it versatile shoot <laughs> choice, that's just the epitome of casual. And that with a pair of jeans and a nice clean t-shirt is going to make you look classic 100% of the time just low top white plain sneaker and nowadays they've recently started pumping out more white leather ones it used to be that you know you would wear some gats uh some german army trainers or maybe something with know, some suede or felt on it some weird accents or like a nike kill shot with a with a gum sole and that's not really the play right now uh you you definitely want to get yourself a leather pair of white, something like that would be the, would come from Thursday boots. Actually their, their white leather low top is, I think it's between 150 and 180 less I checked. Um, but it, it, pretty much anyone that asked me for footwear advice, Hey, I need a few new shoes. I, I love- what about Vejas? Everyone I know has Vejas. Am I saying that right? Vejas. That's pretty much how I say it. Yeah. <laughs> v- VJs. VJs. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've I I I don't own a pair. You know, I've I've seen them in uh, in fit picks and stuff. It's 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 funny because white sneakers are actually kind of like in in a league of their own. Like say, okay, you don't have the biggest budget. You get yourself some Thursdays. Like ninety five percent of people say, oh look, nice white sneaker, low top, and someone with Oliver Cabell's or common projects is going to walk by you and say, Oh dude, your upper is shit. Like <laughs> glue shoe dickhead. <laughs> so it's there. They, they come from all different price points. Yeah. They're right around the same price point as Oliver Cabell's. And I'm, I'm not familiar with their, uh, with their wealth or their upper. Um, but if, if you're starting from scratch, it, it, it doesn't really matter. You know, the fine details don't really matter up front. It's really just about breaking into it. And then from there, you can start you can start building up. OK, so on this topic of price, I think people think of designer as immediately fashionable. I am not of that mindset. So what's your take on designer? Let's say you have a decent amount of money. What should you invest in? And what should you save your money on? And just what designers are your favorites? The thing with designer is that there's levels to it. Like you're, so you go to the club and, and the guys are wearing the t-shirt, just the plain t-shirt. It's not even fitted that well. And it says Gucci on it or Givenchy or, you know, Louis Vuitton. Yeah, it, it just has the logo on it. And is that designer? Sure. But it's literally made by those made by those brands because they know people like that are going to buy it. Mm-hmm. And their margins on those are absolutely bonkers. So the funny thing is, though, that people with money, especially like new money, 
uh, or people that maybe, you know, spent all their time grinding and then when they finally made it, have no idea where to go. Mm-hmm they think that that is what they have to do. They have to go, oh, okay, uh, this shirt costs $500. It says Gucci on it. Obviously, you know, that's what I have to buy. Whereas what you're actually going to want to do is kind of an all or nothing approach. And some people might disagree with me here, but if you're going to buy designer clothes, you should focus exclusively on the high label stuff. So think of like, um like a polo ralph lauren you have you have the regular lines i mean they have all different kinds of labels i don't even know what what color label their their like baseline is but say everyone knows polo you have the the polo shirt with you know the horse and and the polo player on it Mm -hmm. that's either their cheapest or their second cheapest line especially if you bought it at like a kohl's or god forbid like costco or something whereas at the same time, the exact same company is selling uh, for Polo, it's called Purple Label, um, pieces that cost thousands and thousands of dollars. And mm-hmm. yeah, some of that's outerwear, but also you can buy shirts, polos, whatever for uh, several hundred dollars. And you know, some people might look at a Polo shirt you know, for 60, 70 and say, oh, that's a lot of money. Yeah, well, well you haven't seen nothing yet. Like, so if you go into the purple label and see something that costs four or $500, you might think twice. Mm-hmm. But when I, when I say the all or nothing approach, like if I'm consulting someone and they say they have a budget of like 15,000, 20,000, and they want to get like some nicer stuff, I say, well, I mean, nice isn't really directly to how it looks on you, really. Like you, you're only going to buy, you're only going to enjoy a piece if it's looking good on you, because that's the ultimate goal of fashion. If you spend, you can spend hundred thousand dollars on, on a t-shirt knitted by Jesus Christ himself. If it, if it looks like a turd on you and it makes you look fat and it, it accentuates the wrong spots, you're not going to enjoy wearing it. So if you, then <laughs> I'm going to go back to my usual shilling. I don't care if you have a $20,000 wardrobe budget, go buy 50 cuts t-shirts <laughs> because I still have yet to find a t-shirt that fits better on most guys think this cuts t-shirts uh and yeah they're they cost 50 dollars, high quality fit great but why why would you not do that when the alternative is to spend 500 dollars on a gucci t-shirt that looks not as good probably doesn't fit as well now if you come in with like a hundred thousand dollar budget you say i'm i'm willing to throw the world at my wardrobe then i would say okay then you start going for these highbrow for these for these expensive labels like within polo, you would go for purple label, or you go for like something like a Laura Piana tier, which sells t-shirts that cost multiple thousands of dollars, mm. all unbranded for the most part. But at that price point, you can start affording these nice things that are actually, you know, handcrafted, made from the finest materials. And the the, the common theme here is that you really want to avoid labeling and getting taken advantage of on the designer front, because there is no shortage of designer houses that are out to fleece you. Like mm. the second they build a big enough brand, they're just going to print, they're going to screen print t-shirts with their label on it, sell them for three, four, $500 and try and take advantage of people like you that are looking to spend a lot of money to look good. And when you really just need to focus on the fit, the quality and how it looks on you. I think that's a very good tenant to keep in mind. 
So I didn't have any money growing up. I thought rich people bought Lululemon. Like I was very confused when I found out there was all this, <laughs> all this stuff. And now I own lots of Lululemon. So I am the elite that I hate, but I, so do I, <laughs> um, it still blows my mind how expensive those purses are. Cause when you think of designer for girls, that's what your mind goes to is designer handbags. I just, I don't know if I could ever get there. I just bought a $40 uh, Lululemon uh, crossbody satchel for my wife. See, that's cute. <laughs> that is cute and usable. But they're, they're like everywhere now. I, yeah. I, I was like, I started paying attention. I'm like, okay, yeah, these are, these are obviously taking off. And I bought one. And I mean, fortunately, my wife's not really into that kind of stuff. Like, you know, she doesn't want a Birkin. Um, <laughs> I mean, if she did, I probably wouldn't have married her in the first place. Um <laughs> But I, I found that I find that that's probably the easiest solution is if you see an opportunity like that, like, oh, these uh, these crossbodies are really popular right now. Oh, like only $40 and it's in stock. <sighs> Easy. Easy. I got a Lululemon backpack for work. Because we're very casual at work, um, I have, but I, I wear it. I use it every I have day. Lululemon I love underwear. Yeah, I have so much of it. Lululemon socks. I have Lululemon but... hat. I bought a uh, Lululemon scrunchie for, oh, yeah, uh, for my wife one. for her birthday. It's uh, I, everything, everything is Lululemon. I would buy Lululemon for my dog if I had one. Yep. The brand is strong. The brand is strong. Um, okay, so that's our take on designer. We're not huge fans. They really should work on it. I do love Tory Burch, though. I don't, know, I don't own anything, but I think it's really pretty stuff. I met Tory Brunch at uh, Fremont in Chicago. You met Tory Burch? No, that was a lie. <laughs> but he said I did Tory meet, Brunch. I did meet a woman. I did meet a woman that claimed to be Tory Birch. Pretty sure she was on drugs, but it was uh, it was an experience. That happens shout in Chicago, to, I hear. Shout out to Bowtie Bank Robber and Bowtie F one fifty. They were both there. <laughs> um. Okay. Well. Um. Okay. So we talked about designer. Okay. Can we talk about watches? Because I feel like men associate Absolutely. so much peak masculinity with their watch. That's when they've really made it is when they buy the Rolex. What is your recommendation on watches? Well, let me ask you something. When you meet a guy in any setting, professional, you know, dating, social, whatnot, uh, when was the last time you looked at his watch? <laughs> Never. Exactly. Watches are, you're not buying a watch for women. You're buying a watch for other guys. That's it's, so true. Retweet. It's the female equivalent of uh, like them wearing, them not being able to wear dresses twice. It's because they're worried about the judgment of other women. They're not worried about, you, a woman could wear the exact same dress for every formal event and guys wouldn't care. They would think you're stunning 100% of the time. Mm -hmm. It's the same thing with watches you're you're putting on you're putting on your rolly your your tag your uh omega whatever probably you know you're, you're probably limited to that price point if you're under 30 anyway um but just to impress the other guys at work uh or wherever you're going so it it depends on the environment where you are like like where you work and your i guess your income bracket because i, I i'll also be the first to admit i I kind of advise against buying the Rolly if you, especially if you really just can't afford to buy two of them. 
but they are very nice. Like there is nothing that feels better on your wrist and makes you feel more kingly than just a nice timepiece. And that's that's something you're not not doing for women. Not that's not something you're doing for really anyone else. It's just it's something that you do for you as a man because that watch represents like oh, I made it. Like I I made a goal. I, I set a goal. I worked. I achieved it. And it's, it's like a tangible reminder of that. Um, so that's really how you should treat those, you know, those more expensive watches. Now, as far as having a placeholder on your wrist, that doesn't look like dog shit because you really should wear a watch. I mean, even if you're, I, I, I've had some interesting discussions on this. I wear a whoop on my right wrist and then I'll wear a watch on my left wrist. Some people just you know, for everyday settings, will stick to the whoop. Some people do both. Some people have neither. I, I think you should have at least one timepiece or something on your wrist as a man. Um, back a few years ago, it used to be like you have you have the watch on your left wrist and then you have like maybe some rope bracelets or like a metal bracelet mm. on your right wrist. But I think now that everyone's wearing like fitness trackers, I think that's changing a little bit. But I, if, if anyone follows me on Twitter knows, I, I recommend Seiko hard because they're a wonderful brand. They make beautiful timepieces. Um, and I'm, I'm talking about regular Seiko, not Grand Seiko. Those are, those are several thousand dollars. Also beautiful, um, but it, they're in the same price point as Rolex um, or at least Tahir. Uh, but really, if you're asking yourself, hmm, I need a new timepiece. I need a watch. I say you have a budget anywhere. <sighs> Two, three hundred, get a Seiko five. Uh, three, five hundred, get a Seiko Sport. Five to a thousand, get a Presage. It's they, they have something for everyone, and all of the choices look. They, they just all look great. I mean, sure, you can get like, you can get something gaudy. I mean, they have they have a lot of options. They have uh, they have a GMT that I recently tweeted some hate at. Um, but really, Seiko is going to be the way to go if you need like a premier timepiece for everyday wear that won't completely break the bank. Uh, and if you also, here's a bonus. If you need something that you can wear out drinking and just not care at all about it, get yourself a Timex Weekender NATO strap, $35 on Amazon, buy three of them and just absolutely go crazy with it. There's so much alpha being dropped here. Um, one question I have that this conversation is making me think of is it seems like you have a very high level of taste that I don't associate with most men. When I talk to them about their clothes, they're not thinking about it like this, to be honest with you. So do you think that taste level is inherent? And should a man just be aware of whether or not he has it or not? And if he doesn't have it, should he rely on recommendations and his friends to help him out? Or should he go for it with his own bad self and decide what he should wear? I think everyone's... That's a good question, actually. Because um, taste is... It's, it's, a, it's an interesting concept because is it like a nature or nurture type thing? Do you develop it through exposure to the arts and, you know, a, an upbringing in, you know, in a more open, open-minded environment, or is it, is it something you're ultimately born with? I, I, I think it's both, honestly, I think it's personality and just what you expose yourself to growing up. It's interesting because I, I really hated like art class growing up. I thought like, uh, I thought like painting was stupid. I thought, um, what, I, I thought like cinematography was stupid, but at the same time, I thought photography was like the shit and like music 
was music to this day remains my favorite art form. It's there's not really a good answer. I I think I I think where it came for where it came from for me was the fact that I spent a lot of time like on okay so this this is a whole different point. I spent a lot of time throughout college. I was in a fraternity. I was in Greek life. I was very socially involved. I was also literally on 4chan and Reddit all of the time. <laughs> I had like, I got this crazy perspective of like the shut-in incel, like the, the world of like the terminally online. And then also like the popular crowd in, in high school and college. And the, the juxtaposition of, of the takes that would come from these two groups was, it, it, it did an interesting thing in my brain where I feel like I just developed a very comprehensive worldview and i i would hear people on one side or the other say something and i was just like no that that that, that that's not that's not real that you that that's not the case and through that i feel like it, i became more grounded hmm. and by becoming more grounded i started looking at things a lot more matter-of-factly and through that I feel like I started applying that to like my exposure to the arts and then eventually like, like fashion, I was just like, it kind of boiled down to like, why would you wear that? It looks like shit or wow, that's absolutely stunning, beautiful, inherently beautiful. I'm not applying any sort of bias to it because that's absolutely, absolutely wonderful. And no, uh, <laughs> but it's, um, I'm trying to think of like, because I have a few takes on like, how one can actually develop that taste but it really like comes from just constant overexposure to objectivity and also philosophy on the concept of of natural beauty um because if you think about like the stereotype of you know a fat woman wears something and her friend says oh my god you look gorgeous you look beautiful in that there's a lot of that that happens in our modern culture and uh, i would say it's actually pervasive and through instances like that and similar to that we have a very skewed idea of what actually is attractive what is beautiful and if you really if you're able to cultivate a perspective of just salt of the earth like being able to see things for what they are with as little bias as possible uh, without any sort of external judgment or, or, or gas, like, you know, people gassing you up, telling you one thing, I think that allows you to make the most sound choices when it comes to, to pretty much anything. But I, I think fashion is definitely a part of that. That was a much more profound answer than I was anticipating. I was kind of just expecting a, nah, you're, you're screwed, dude. But I also think that men who can see themselves in what looks good on them, and then they can just copy that over and over again. Like, it doesn't change that much, even if the trends change. One question mm -hmm. I have, though, is what would you say to someone who says caring about clothes is very metrosexual or not like super masculine behavior it's what gay. Would your... <laughs> caring yeah. about fashion is gay yes yeah I've, I've, I've gotten that a lot i i think we're kind of shifting away from that that's a very 2003 mindset for me i mean that that's the kind of attitude that comes straight out of a judd apatow movie starring paul rudd and and 
I don't know, Seth Rogen. <laughs> I, 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 things are, things are shifting a little bit. Um, I, I think especially nowadays, because in, in the jungle, it's, it's pretty accepted that, you know, video, video content's kind of, kind of become king in the next few years. It already kind of is really, but it's only going to become bigger. So, you know, what do people want to look at on video content? They want to look at attractive people I mean, if they're looking at a person they want to look at an attractive person so if you're trying to make yourself the best you can be dressing well i mean it's a part of looking good but why why would you dress like shit is, is it considered gay now to like optimize every aesthetic aspect of yourself i i think back before we had smartphones and we're constantly taking pictures of ourselves creating content creating videos like really putting ourselves out into the world a case could have been made just because you know, fashion culture was associated primarily with with gay men i mean throughout the the late 20th century all the des- a lot of the designers were gay um like new york fashion week it was all you know it, it, it was just a lot of gay energy so it cultivated that gay energy um but things are things are definitely changing and I, I, th- there, there's even like a case that could be made where people some people would say in other countries uh this is if you want to break out of the scope of america that lifting weights is gay mm-hmm. like why are mm-hmm. why are you trying to get all all muscular and and big and strong so you can like pick up your boyfriend and, and fuck him in the shower like mm-hmm. it, this is an actual real attitude that some that some people have like they're, they're, they're so far down the masculinity rabbit hole that they think like doing simple, something as simple as deadlifting and bench pressing so that you can get bigger muscles is metrosexual or gay or, or fruity or whatnot. I, I think you really, if anyone wants to make strides at attitude and any sort of remaining or any sort of remnants of that attitude as, as it may exist today, because the only thing that matters is optimizing yourself through every way possible. And if that means caring about fashion and making sure all your clothes are on point so that you look your absolute best and can leverage that into the best possible life you can live, then you have to pursue that. And it doesn't matter what anyone else says. I completely agree. I think that, it's only about your presentation towards other people. It makes a huge difference. If you look sloppy, it's going to affect not only your success with women, but your success with business and just your overall social environment. It, it's really, really important. Do you think you can over-index it, it at all? Do you think there's it too is. far? Sorry, over-index? Like you care too much about it as a... I just... There's a lot on um, like Red Pill, Twitter, YouTube where... Men are saying you have to have the perfect haircut, perfect jawline, perfect jeans, perfect T-shirt. And that's the only <laughs> way women will ever look at you because women are only interested in the top 5% of men. And you have to become a high value man. And your haircut is an essential part of that. So I, I actually come from that old, uh, like the the first generation red pill space. I, I hung around there a lot. I was one of the... Um, I was a content creator in the space. I was not Roosh. I was not Hartiste. I was not Rola Tomasi for anyone listening. I was not one of the, the radical militant ones. Uh, and anyone listening, I guarantee there are a few people listening that know exactly who I am just by hearing my voice. But I think 
it's incredibly obvious, especially nowadays when someone's really deep in that space. Like, have you ever been talking to a guy and like within 30 seconds, you can just tell that this guy is absolutely neck deep in like Andrew Tate content. (laughs) You know what I mean? I've never met one in real life, but I meet them all the time on the internet. Really? Okay. I don't go out much. That's totally fair. (laughs) (laughs) Well, no, so I would... I mean, back in the day, I, I would meet, um, I, I would run into these guys that, you know, social function and whatnot. And like, you could tell, um, just, just not so much in the interactions with men. It's interesting because their interactions with men were a lot different than their interactions with women. Like, like they would be genuine with guys. Like they would be, you know, maybe their true self, which was a little bit meek, um, ultimately just kind of like a nice guy, but like definitely lacking something. And then they would talk to a girl and it would, you felt like they just like, like a director just said action mm-hmm. and they would rattle off like some, some crazy energy, almost like they're reading a script. Um, you can, you can tell when someone's in that phase of that whole red pill thing. And I don't really think that that's going to go away because it's ultimately like a learning curve, you know, like the, the, these guys have to, they have to consume this content. And I'm not saying they, not every guy has to consume like red pill manosphere like andrew tate style whatever content some guys are just naturals um but you really if you find the space you find that it's helping you you need to just kind of take what they present to you a la carte and apply it where you need it and kind of leave the rest if you if you swallow the entire red pill i mean we're it's not a vitamin d pill here guys it's a it's a it's a horse suppository like it's the whole red pill is just it's so comprehensive and there's a lot of fringes and it can lead you down some really weird paths and you can take on some some pretty dangerous opinions uh dangerous in the sense of like you think doing getting the perfect haircut is gay or you think that you need a mew or uh, chew mastic gum eight hours a day. Otherwise, you're literally never going to have sex. Like, that's, that's just not true. Mm. Um, I think I, I try myself to take a pretty measured approach with how I outline the whole fashion thing to guys. Because at the end of the day, I mean, I, I've done a couple of, uh, like, bigger consults, like, for, for higher dollar amounts. But, like, for the most part, I really just get a joy out of helping guys that are that just have the the balls to come up and ask me to just fall in my dms and say like hey man i seriously need help and these are these are guys from with 10 followers and guys with 10,000 followers they're just mm-hmm, like they mm-hmm. have the humility to come to me and say hey i i need this help and i'm just like dude like i i'm i'm, I'm absolutely i'm absolutely thrilled that you would you know come to me for help i would love to help you and i do a lot of this stuff pro bono and a part of me wants to just really present the self-improvement side, how I ultimately came out of it, which was just relax. Like it's, you don't have to go all crazy and stuff. You just need to, you need to look, look at this stuff, absorb it and, you know, take away the work on the things you need to work on, but ultimately just take away the, the things where you feel like you were lacking and work on them and just use that to make yourself a better person. You don't have to turn into Andrew Tate. You don't have to turn into Hartiste or Rouge V or any of these guys. Like all you need to do is recognize what your issue is, fix it, and then just keep going on living your life. 
Yeah, I really agree with that. I think it should be a tool in your arsenal, something that you can hone and improve. And I, I really do think it's important, which is why I asked you to come on, because I think it's very valuable advice. And I think it really will help a lot of people listening, a lot of people on Twitter. Um, but I just don't want anyone to put too much weight on it, if that makes sense, for that exact reason, mm -hmm. to become one of it's those interesting, appearance yeah, It's people. interesting how a lot of a lot of people come to me um like they like they kind of think that i'm a dating red pill guy yeah uh, because I, I i definitely put out that vibe and uh, th that's 100 my fault and i take on a pretty aggressive tone <laughs> on twitter sometimes especially if i'm totally in my bag um like if if i if i went on on reddit one day and I saw a picture of a guy wearing uh, a tweed jacket, smoking a pipe, and he's like 19 years old. Yeah, it, it, it gets me a little wound up. Like, why are you still doing that, man? <laughs> God damn it. Um, no, I, I, I go pretty hard on the on the whole aesthetics and beauty thing. It's true. Um, but it's I think it's important. Like, it, it's so important that people have to realize that like like beauty and looking good and just maximizing every part of yourself is so incredibly important i i want to like like the mass appeal the macro appeal on twitter is you know shouting some semi-controversial you know maybe aggressive take because it gets more likes gets more engagement but like i really just want to like tell all these guys that need to hear it like hey man anyone that told you like out working on yourself is okay is lying to you like mm -hmm. You need to lift the weights. You need to get the nice clothes, even if even if you don't have the money. Like buy cheaper ones and maybe you know try to find a cheaper brand that fits you, or just do whatever you can to to look good because it, it's so incredibly important. Like the 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 confidence boost you get for, for something as simple as as putting on like a, a well fitted t shirt is is incredible. It, it it's like a leveraged return on the rest of your day. It, it, like you said, like, think of the difference between, you know, you roll out of bed. Um, maybe you, you don't shower. You just kind of style your hair a little bit. You know, if you're a girl, you just do makeup or whatever, put on some whatever and walk out the door. Think of like the difference between that and waking up, maybe hitting a workout, showering, styling your hair, putting on an entire like actual outfit, um, like with, with nice shoes and everything, and then walking out the door and going to whatever function you're going to, you're going to feel different. You're going to feel more energized. You're going to feel like you're going to want to stand up straighter. You're going to want to throw your shoulders back. You're going to want to talk to more people because, it, it, and this isn't, you don't even have to think about it. Your, your body just knows like, Hey, I'm primed and ready to do this. Like, I feel like I have the energy, like I'm deriving it from the fact that I'm, I put effort into my appearance and I know that I'm worthy of this. And that is, I mean, in my opinion, that's the real red pill. Like that's where, that's where you're going to derive the most value is just treating yourself the way that you deserve to be treated. And yeah, that's pretty much the end of it. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a really, really good line. A really good synopsis. I think treat yourself the way you deserve to be treated and reflect that in your appearance. As Fawn would say, stop being ugly. Um, though slightly more harshly <laughs> perhaps than you did but I agree totally and I think that it makes a big difference I think it's really interesting how the culture today as we started this conversation a lot of it is about appearing as though you're not trying 
especially for girls, but also for guys, to feel like you're so cool. You just blow over it. You don't even care what you're wearing, even though you totally care what you're wearing. I wish we were back in the day where girls wore ankle length fit and flare dresses and ballet flats everywhere. I think that would be so much fun. And you do your hair every day. Um, I don't know if we'd ever go back to something that formal again. Yeah. Do, you, do you think we'll just keep trending more and more casual? That's a question. Probably not. Um, I mean, eventually they'll probably uh, be a reversion back. It's f fashion, much like a lot of things, just, you know, it oscillates. Um, it's like, I mean, think of a, think of a sine curve. Uh, it's not going to be perfect up and down, but ultimately it's, it's going to go back down and dip then in the other direction where we might, you know, value guys might walk around looking like eighties wall street brokers every day. Mm -hmm. And, you know, women might put on who knows uh, I, stuff with shoulders. Let's just say that <laughs> um, it, we, we, we very well might trend more conservative. Um, if there's a catalyst, a specific catalyst that has to happen for that, who knows? Um, I, I don't think we go we go sloppier and sloppier. I think at some point a paradigm will shift and and, and the trends will change. But uh, you know that's been the case forever. I mean, trends trends are always shifting, always changing, and it'll be interesting to see how, like with the current state of social media, how that how that shift rate, like how it's impacted, because. Like think of the 20th century, like every century kind of had its look, you know, like you mm. could, you, you could throw up a picture of someone from the seventies and you would just know that they were from the seventies. Right. Mm -hmm. Same with like the eighties or probably even the nineties. And I mean, a lot of that has to do with like, you know, colors and probably picture quality and all that. But I think, I think that the, the like, 2010s were probably the first era where you could throw up a picture of someone and not really know exactly like it could easily be from like 2007 or like 2023 mm -hmm. like I, I feel like there's not really a defined like a hardcore defined style that happened throughout the 2010s and it'll it'll be weird if we switch from like kind of defining decades to maybe defining like half decades or even single years um, but it, I, I think something is, some, something's definitely going to change on like the macro level over the next few years, what it is. I have no idea. Uh, that actually uh, brings up another interesting point, which is, I think we're currently in a stage of like decoupling where I, I know different subcultures have always kind of dressed different. Um, like nerds, you know, think of the archetypal old nerd, you know, um, poorly fitted short sleeve white oxford with a pocket protector and the jock had the mm -hmm. uh had the letterman jacket and the spiked hair well now i think it's more of a, a more of a schism between the people that are in shape and want to show off their body and the people that are either out of shape and know it and want to hide their body or they just don't care about fitness and just kind of want to do nothing but wear statement pieces uh, I would bucket those those second two kind of together. Um, but I think that's where we're at right now. The people that that work on themselves and want to show themselves off are are going to keep doing it. And the way in which they do it is going to shift. And then the, the other group of people are also going to, there's going to be shifts in their kind of fashion. Um, but I, 
I, I think it's going to keep, uh, it, it's going to kind of like break off into just different groups of people and with their, with their different focuses. And then the trends will just shift within those different groups. I don't think we're really going to have total society-wide macro fashion trends much, at least not for, you know, the, the future that I see. That's a really interesting point about how 2007 versus 2023, could you really make a distinction? I think part of that is because the trends happen so quickly. You're on a season by season basis now because the fashion industry is trying to sell product. They they want you to buy new stuff every two months. Um, So I have stuff in my closet that is quote unquote 90s, that is early 2000s, that is 70s flare jeans, but then also like in 80s plaid skirt i have i have everything in here and i can get away with wearing it right now so it's both no trend that is clear but also you are referencing the older stuff so it's kind of a fascinating point that there's no clear decade trend anymore yeah i think i think uh decades and eras are going to be more defined by their fringes um like if i had to i think someone asked me this on twitter is like how would you define like 2000s fashion or 2010s fashion. I always said, well, I, I just posted a picture of a scene kid. <laughs> and that was it. Because, you know, we didn't all dress like that. You know, some of us did. Um, you know, don't look at me. But it, it, it's it's a lot more noticeable. Um, like when you, when you look at the fringe people, like the majority of people just wore regular stuff. Like if you think about the average person, the difference between their outfit in 2005 and 2015 was probably just the way their jeans fit. Yep. Th- this applies to the majority of people. So it really is the case that that eras are defined by the fringes. Um, but what is the fringe of this decade? I, I still can't really figure it out. I would say for guys, it's definitely broccoli cuts and fabletic <laughs> short shorts. But I'm, I'm hoping to see that develop. Also, I would say like body modification. People are getting a lot of piercings and a lot of tattoos. And Gen Z is getting a lot of tattoos. Tattoos, yeah. Uh, Well, I guess piercings, yeah. I'm actually I'm shocked at the um, at the roaring back of the nose rings. Yes, specifically septum piercings. Like what the fuck? It's gross. I hate those. I'm sorry. Sorry to anyone listening that has one, but I. Yeah, I, I've seen, um, like, if you, you have to have a lot of clout as a guy to, like, rock a nose ring or a nose stud. Really? Like, the only guy I've seen that has one that pulls it off is Lewis Hamilton. And, like, he's a he's a world champion, multi, multi-millionaire race car driver. Like, right, if you're just, right. like, a regular Zoomer guy <laughs> and you're trying to pull off, like, a nose stud and you're just, you know, a second-string basketball player in <laughs> your local high school, <laughs> just just stop, dude. Yeah. <laughs> just stop. It's funny though because I had. Um, I'm curious. Do you, do you think the rate of piercings is going up? Because I remember back in the day, me and my friends all had uh, cartilage rings. Like that was like you were such a badass as a guy if you had a cartilage ring. Well, girls will get like ten different rings in their ears now, like all over their cartilage. There's tons of different ones. They'll get the bar through their cartilage, and oh, then the they'll industrial? get their. Yeah, I don't even know what they're called, but they'll get them all throughout and they'll do different like jewelry every day in their ear because they have so many different holes. I don't really mind those ones. I I kind of mind the tattoos. They're all over girls' arms and 
I just think that it's just trendy and I'm just concerned that it's going to fade and they're going to regret that they have these blocks of art all over their tattoos. I mean, all over tattoos their Tattoos are fun, especially, especially like trendy tattoos, because I feel like every generation thinks that their tattoo is like going to be it. Yeah. Like they, they get it anticipating like, oh yeah, yeah I see people doing this. Like this is definitely going to work. Well, <laughs> <laughs> your aunt thought that when she got the tramp stamp and pcb back in 97 and uh, yeah. we know how that turned out it's i what kills me the most is like at least the tramp stamp like just as an example is kind of like iconic and like there like the, <laughs> the the thing that the thing that kills me the most is when they get like girls nowadays get like three uh three point text on like the middle of their forearm yes and it's like it's like maybe three or four inches long and it's like right in the middle i'm like dude you just like if you ever wanted more tattoos in that area first off you just completely mocked up that real estate mm-hmm. i can respect Second the all, sleeve it's yeah. not one of them they just have like randomly put it feels like there's no cohesion it's just random different drawings and numbers and letters all over their arms yeah and i have seen guys do that too and you know what i mean that's it's not as bad as some other trendy tattoos like i think you know the the habit and i think i see more women with it where they'll have like okay they'll have like a little a tiny little design on the inside of their finger and then they'll have one on their wrist and then maybe one like in the ditch of their arm and then one on their tricep. you know the like the tiny little tattoos here and there like a speckled tattoo type thing that something like that's a lot easier to like rope into like a bigger design if you really want it but i also don't find it that offensive what what just kills me i i have a very strong feelings about the forearm tattoo just because um like I, I i have a few old friends that are tattoo artists and they like hate 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 when people do that uh, but also just because it's like it's gonna be there in your wedding picture like and you're 19 yeah <laughs> you're prepared it's... for that i don't know i don't know i sound like such a grandma i'm 23 <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm 30 i'm I, literally geriatric like <laughs> you have no I idea i hate that i hate that other thing i hate when i go to the gym none of the girls are wearing any clothes have you noticed that all the high school okay, zoomers grandma. it's like <laughs> crazy they're not wearing any clothes <laughs> well yeah i mean I, I can't really I'm, I'm not I'm not going to touch women's fashion in this regard I mean you know whatever they whatever they need to do to get their work out and is, is, is fine by me but like the guys um are wearing a lot more short shorts nowadays I have noticed and uh I'm strongly in support of that anyone that follows me know that I'm a very strong proponent of um short shorts on men and by the way those are uh those are coming back even shorter actually I had I had a little bit of a concern that we were going to oscillate back to extended inseams like on a macro level nope literally the opposite direction it's pretty so, guys, funny talking to you as a finance guy describing fashion you've used the word oscillate <laughs> versatile macro level this <laughs> is a good juxtaposition yeah i've been i've been told that before but hey i'm in a uh, i'm in a, a crypto rhetoric dominated space yeah. talking about fashion i have to uh, i have to fit in somehow yeah it's funny though but um yeah you were saying something before that oh no i was just about to say guys buy your buy your short inseams so the five inch you're a proud believer supporter 
Oh, I'm a big five inch guy. Yeah. I think so. I I'm six foot four. So five inches on me is like just on the cusp of That's... being aggressive. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I have more thigh out than in. Um, but I, I still love the way they look, but five inches is like, unless you're like an absolute turbo manlet and like five foot three, uh, in which case you should probably just wear a speedo, uh, because no one's going to take you seriously anyway, but, uh, five inches is going to just literally work for everyone. So like word of advice, action item, homework right now, if you are a man, go to duvindesign.com and get yourself a pair of their swim trunks and a pair of their running shorts. You will thank me later. I'm not sponsored by Duvin Design. Do you have any affiliate links? Because you're going to move some product here. I have a feeling. Um, <laughs> so the, the people that I have gotten in contact with, uh, they all were actually pretty apprehensive about the whole Anon thing. Oh, interesting. Um, they're like, well, you don't like, are you willing to post like full body pictures of yourself? Or are you willing to like submit your identity? I was like, um, not at this time. <laughs> and they were like, well, yeah, we can't really, we can't really have that. And I was like, oh shit. <laughs> um, it's, it's, it has, uh, I, I have been tempted to, to dox, like, just because I, I mean, I don't really say that much controversial stuff. I'm just trying to teach guys about fashion, mm -hmm. but ultimately I have to, I really do have to see um how much further i can take it you know with the under under the whole anon umbrella because i mean if i dox i would have the 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 capacity to get you know probably some affiliates some some sponsorships whatever because like like i, I i'm not gonna i'm not gonna not be blunt i'm a pretty attractive guy i'm tall mm -hmm. i work on myself a lot i i have been told by numerous gay men that i should model i have been begged by numerous gay men for them to photograph me I absolutely would take pictures of myself wearing different pieces and describe them in, you know, my usual saucy rhetoric on Twitter, Instagram, whatever. But um, that's easy. And I don't like things that are easy. I like things that are hard. So uh, I'm just going to keep uh, pushing the rock up the hill like I'm Sisyphus <laughs> and uh, rocking the chain of uh, anonymity on my, on my uh, ankle. It is... The cost that we all bear. Gator was talking about that um, in the last time I talked to him. He could have thousands of patients fly in to see him. He would just blow up his clinic if he wanted to, but it's worth it to keep him anonymous for right now. It's a decision everyone's going to make. I'm interested to see, you know, as this thing grows, when people start to peel off a little bit and no longer are anonymous. I think it's going to happen for sure. I hope it does. I mean, I... I ultimately everyone can make their own decision. Um, I know some people that will absolutely never dox for probably, but what's, what's the goal in the space? The goal in the space is to grow, start businesses, make money, network. And some people are just going to eventually reach the point where they're going to completely flatline unless they do, you know, become a public figure. And it's, it, it is the majority of, or sorry, the minority of people. Uh, this definitely doesn't apply to like, you know, your, your crypto devs and mm -hmm. you know, it, it applies more to like, you know, a gator or maybe some fitness people. Ox, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at you, bud. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see that beautiful mug of yours. <laughs> um, but we'll see. I mean, I know, I know Bull is, um, is pretty adamant about, you know, the whole, the importance of anonymity. And I, I agree with them on, on pretty much every point they make. Um, but I think if you separate, uh, as long as you don't have your face on a Twitter account, 
and you're posting, hey, I just bought three BTC. Hey, I just bought, you know, I just bought five mutant apes. And, you know, I've definitely, I, I keep my hard wallet under my pillow and I live at this address. As long as, as long as you're not like absolutely full blown, you know, making a fool of yourself uh, and trying to become a public figure like that, I, I, I think it is going to be the best avenue for some people to eventually take their business to the next level. And who knows? Um, I, I've already, I've already, definitely posted my mug like while while drunk in a in a discord once or twice so <laughs> who, who knows how much anonymity i actually have left that doesn't count discord doesn't count but yeah i don't think i ever would just because well i don't know i definitely can't right now because my future current employer would not enjoy the things that i've made thus far so as long as i'm working in the corporate world definitely can't but the plan oh, is hopefully to never need to, but we'll see. Same. <laughs> yeah. No, I've, the, the, the problem is, uh, BTG is my only Twitter account. I don't have a burner. I don't have anything else. So like some days I'll wake up just with the most burning hot political take that I, I really need to unleash on the world. And I have to like, I have to like throw my phone across the room to prevent myself from <laughs> tweeting it, but I've, I have succumbed to that. I have succumbed to that temptation a few times and <laughs> I really need to put some runway between um, my doxed self and those tweets. So uh, we'll, we'll, we'll maybe see what uh, 2024 looks like. Yeah. I don't know. Wow. This was very insightful. I think we gave everyone a bunch of great recommendations and we also described the macroeconomic environment of the fashion industry and the trends you can expect to see through the next couple of decades. So you're welcome to all those who are listening. Um, for those who are listening, where would you like to direct them right now to find more of your stuff? Uh, you can read my Substack, uh, which is updated once or twice a month. Um, I'm, I work a lot of hours and uh, writing is hard. Sorry, my brain yeah. only has so much juice. Bowtiegerman.com. Um, I am at Bowtiegerman on Twitter. And um, I would just like to give a shout out to all of my, just the whole jungle. I, I love you guys. You guys are very, um, probably the highest value add community on Twitter. Uh, I've learned so much over the last year about things that I never thought that I would. And um, ultimately shout out to Bowtied Bull and, uh, and them for really you know, facilitating all of this. It's, um, it's extremely valuable. I'm very happy that it exists. I have extremely high hopes for the upside, and uh, I can't wait to see what the next few years bring. Ditto to all of the above. Thank you again for coming on, and have a great rest of your night. You as well. Thank you so much for listening. This has been yet another episode of Common Sense. If you liked the conversation, please consider hitting that follow button on Spotify. Oh, and tell everyone you've ever met to do the same. And while you're feeling generous, why not subscribe to my YouTube channel? I promise I've ridiculed at least one of the identity groups you dislike. You have a great day now.